Tonight, God's Word comes to us from 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18. We're going to begin our reading at verse 41 and then read through the end of this chapter. First Kings 18, beginning at verse 41, what we hear now is God's word. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again, seven times. And at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while the heavens grew, and in a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight we turn for the last time uh, to chapter 18 of 1 Kings. We have been looking at this chapter for several weeks. In fact, it was almost two months ago we began looking at chapter 18. The, probably the most well-known story in the life of Elijah, the contest on Mount Carmel between the prophets of Baal and the prophet of God. We were introduced to the actors in this story in chapter 18. We saw Obadiah, the servant of the Lord, one who had been privately following God, obeying him, and was now called publicly to do the same. We met Ahab, the king of the people. And yet Ahab, who was a disobedient king, who was not leading the people in the ways of righteousness. In fact, the one who challenged the prophet of God saying, you're the troublemaker, not me. We talked about the people. The people who were gathered together and faced with that question, if Baal is God, then follow him, but if God is God, then follow him. And the people responded with silence. We looked last time at the events of this chapter. The 450 prophets of Baal who built their altar and who called out to their God, O Baal, answer us! O Baal, answer us! And they would go on and on and on. They would even begin to cut themselves to get the blood flowing. But there was no answer. No answer was given. And in contrast to those 450 prophets, we had the one true prophet of God, not calling out endlessly, but who offers a very simple prayer a little earlier in this chapter in verse 36. 
O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. And we saw what happened. The fire fell from heaven and burned up the sacrifice and consumed the altar and consumed the water over it. Even the dust was licked up. It's a mighty, powerful, incredible story. And now tonight, we come to the end of the chapter. And I have to confess, it was a little bit of a letdown. After the incredible imagery of last time, all the prophets yelling and screaming, and, and the one prophet of God, and the fire falls. Tonight, the text is not as dynamic, a little more obscure. And we have the, the prayer of Elijah, we have his servant going to look for rain seven different times, and we have him go, both him and Ahab going down to Jezreel. It's... it's it's a bit anticlimactic, and I have to confess, I thought about skipping it. But I was reminded, all of God's Word is profitable, is useful for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, and there are some beautiful themes as this chapter comes to a close. Yes, last time was the climax of the chapter, but tonight is the conclusion of this part of the story. A conclusion that once again reminds us of God's faithfulness to his word. That's been the theme we've been working with in the Elijah cycle. God's faithfulness to his word. Chapter 18 and the end here finishes off the story that began back in chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except at my word. And now the rain returns. It is a return of the blessing of God to his people. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. The return of God's blessing in the land of Israel. We see that that return of the blessing is accompanied by prayer. Uh, Elijah bows himself down on the earth and he prays. He turns to God in prayer once again. We've seen him pray before. He said that, that he would pray, and God, on the basis of his relationship with his people, on the basis of the covenant, would hear the prayer of Elijah. The covenant, remember children, the covenant is that relationship between God and his people. God says to them, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And if you fail to follow my word, if you fail to do what I command, there will be judgment. And that's exactly what happened. 
They were not living according to the commands of God. They were not worshiping him alone. They were worshiping him and the Baals and other, uh, other gods. Hence the question last time or two times ago, who is God? Will you serve Baal or will you serve, will you serve God? That first prayer that Elijah offered earlier in the chapter was a prayer that called upon God to be faithful to the covenant, but faithful in judgment. They had not kept the commands of God. They had not followed in his ways, and so now he would be faithful to his word, and he would come with covenant judgment and withhold the rain. The rain that was so necessary for them in the desert. The rain that was necessary for their crops to grow, for their animals to live. It had been over three years and no rain. And the reason for that judgment was so their hearts would be turned back to God. God does not come just to be vindictive, but he comes to arrest them in their actions and have them realize they must return to him, turn from their wicked ways and return to the ways of God. And that's, that's what we read happens. Verse 39. And when all the people saw this, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. They were brought to confession. That was the question. Who's the true God? The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Elijah had prayed. God had answered. Come in judgment. Now Elijah will pray again. Again on the basis of the covenant. God's relationship with his people. And this time, not that God would continue the judgment, but they had called out, the Lord, he is God. Now that God would return with the blessing, that he would send the rain that they so needed. Elijah would be the intercessor for the people. He would pray on their behalf, and he would pray on the basis of God's faithfulness. God had restored them. God had turned their hearts back. That's what the prayer was of Elijah. He says, O Lord, may they know that you have turned their hearts back. And they respond by saying, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. They can expect God now to continue to be faithful. Not faithful to the curse, but now faithful in blessing. God continues to be faithful to his word today, and faithful to his covenant with his people. When, when we find ourselves living in ways that are disobedient, it should not surprise us when things go badly. I had a few questions after that sermon where I mentioned that, that, that because of their disobedience, they receive the judgment and the bad things happen. And some people say, but isn't it true that that's not always the case? You're right, that's not always the case that when bad things happen, it's because of something we have done. It's not always the case. But sometimes it is the case that our actions have a direct effect on the rest of our life. When we walk in the paths of disobedience, we should not be surprised when things go badly for us. Because God is faithful. And He is he is working to turn our hearts back toward him, to return, to, to return us to the place of blessing. And so when we turn, 
And when we confess, we can also expect God will be faithful, faithful to himself, faithful to his promise. They had an intercessor in Elijah, one who prayed for them. Of course, we have an even greater intercessor in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who prays for us, the one who stands before the Father and brings our prayers to him, the Father listening to his Son on our behalf. The return of God's blessing was accompanied by the prayer, the prayer of God's anointed. The return of the God's blessing is, is pictured for us in this part of the story about Elijah talking to his servant and having him go look for the rain cloud. This is from verse 43. He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. He said, go again seven times. Now we know that in Scripture, not every number is significant. Sometimes a number is just a number. But here, we are dealing with prophetic action. And so often in the prophets or in apocalyptic literature, the numbers do take a particular significance. Here, prophetic action he calls his servant seven times to go and look for the cloud. And the seventh time he says, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. What's the significance of those seven times? Well, I'm sure you're familiar with, with the, the number seven uh, in the Old Testament, often being a number of completion, a number of fullness, a number of fulfillment. We're being shown here that as he goes seven times and then sees that cloud, that there will be a fullness in the blessing which God will bring, a completion in that blessing. Earlier, <clears throat> we saw Elijah pray one time, one time and the fire fell. That was when he was giving a message to the unbelievers that God is the one true God. Now he's dealing with the people of God, and he will say, go seven times that they might see the fullness of God's blessing, the fullness of the restoration to blessing that God would give. It's, it's a picture. They had left the worship of the one true God and become idolaters. Would God really restore them? Would he really bring them back to full fellowship with him? Or would he somewhat keep them at arm's distance? The servant goes seven times. There's a fullness in the blessing that God will give. He will not keep them far away from him, but he will restore them to full fellowship with him. A fullness in their restoration. And that fullness in their restoration points us forward. This picture is not only for Elijah and for the servant, but looks forward to the restoration we will have in Christ Jesus. A full restoration to him. We talked about that this morning in our morning sermon. Salvation is all of God, first and last of God. Will God really forgive all of my sins? 
You know, sometimes we can, we can do some things that, that, that are so at odds with the law of God. And we say, you know, I, I believe that God, for the sake of Jesus, can forgive most of my sins. But I don't think he can forgive this. It's too much to expect full fellowship with God. But when we come in confession, when our hearts are turned, God stands ready and willing and able to completely forgive all of our transgressions, completely forgive all of our iniquities. He does not hold them against us. We have in Jesus Christ a complete Savior, one who has washed us and cleansed us totally, wholly, one who does not do half the work and ask us to do half the work. He does everything necessary. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the call, once again, to you tonight. If you are still thinking there's something you have done that's just, it's just too big for God to forgive, there's something you've done that God could never get past, there is a fullness a fullness in his forgiveness, a sevenfold fullness. Everything washed, everything cleansed. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation and know that fullness. Complete restoration to fellowship with God. Complete return of God's blessing because he is faithful to the promises he has made. He goes and he sees this cloud and and, and the cloud, of course, is a promise of rain that's on the horizon, promise of rain to come, a promise that they're going to be delivered from the drought. Uh, but it's a real cloud. It's not only a picture of a cloud, it's a real cloud. And, and it's, it, it's a reminder that we really are forgiven. Now, we often talk about pictures of forgiveness. We talk about washing as a picture of forgiveness, the baptismal font, a picture of forgiveness. But that, that picture is a picture of a reality. This cloud actually came, and this cloud actually brought rain, the restoration God had promised. God, too, continues to show us his pictures of the fullness. The real rain came, and just as surely as that cloud brought rain to them, so surely God continues to bring the fullness of his blessing to his people. God's blessing restored in everything, in its fullness. And then we have this this last picture here, that the return of God's blessing is directed by God himself. We have Ahab, excuse me, Elijah speaking to Ahab. Verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a rushing of rain. Then verse 44, he tells his servant, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rose and went to Jezreel. Children, Jezreel was like a second home for Ahab. He had another home there. So he's going to go back home, back where it's safe. And the prophet of God expresses concern for the king of God's people. He wanted to keep him safe. Go down now because the rain is coming. And, and so he comes to the king and says, look, you need to leave now. Do this and you will live. 
Once again, that's, that's, that's covenantal language. God says, do this and you will live. Follow my ways and you will be safe. Follow my word, do what I tell you, and there will be safety for you. And God continues to do that today. He calls us and he leads us in the paths of safety, in the paths of righteousness when we follow his law. That's why we're reading through Psalm 119. The beauty of the law of God, the glory of the law of God, and the blessing of walking in the way of the law of God. It is the path of blessing for God's people. We talked in Catechism this morning how the law is to make us free so we will not be enslaved to anything. The law is not that which keeps us down. The law is our path to freedom and safety. And so we are called to follow that glorious word God has given to us. And then to picture that, to picture that once again, the last verse, kind of a strange verse, verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. When the text says he ran before Ahab, it doesn't mean that he ran and he got there first. He got there before. He ran ahead of him and he, he beat the, the contest. It doesn't mean he got there first. What it, the particular words used here, he ran ahead of him, that phrase is used for the way a horse leads a chariot. It goes right ahead of the chariot. What's going on here? It's not that they're both going kind of on their own way, but Elijah is running directly ahead of Ahab and leading him to safety. The king, now following the word of God, so he will be safe literally following after the mouthpiece of God, the voice of God, so he will be safe. What a beautiful picture. Following God leads us to safety. God goes ahead. God directs. God leads. If you want safety, security in your life, if you want safety in your marriage, follow God's laws. Follow his prescriptions for how husbands and wives are to relate to each other. If you, want, if you want safety in raising your children, raise them in the fear of the Lord. Follow God's direction, God's design, that they be continually instructed in the ways of God. If you're, if you're looking for, for direction, how do I move forward? Turn to God's word. Eh, there's, not, there's not exact answers to our questions, but enough is there. So we will know which path, what's the safe path, what's the right path. It's the path that honors the word of God, and we follow after him, being directed by God. What a contrast for Ahab between the way he arrives at Mount Carmel and the way he leaves. Ahab arrives at Mount Carmel, surrounded by 450 false prophets, 450 prophets of Baal, 
Ahab is there with the majority. Now, as he leaves, all of those prophets are dead, and he leaves literally following the one true prophet of God. How will you leave church tonight? Continuing to look for false words out there to give you the direction you want to follow? Or following God alone? Following behind the one true prophet, the chief prophet and teacher, Jesus Christ, who instructs us in his holy word, who leads us in the path of blessing. When we confess the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God, God has turned our hearts to make that glorious confession, and he will be faithful, faithful to his covenant promises, to lead, to guide, to direct, to, to take us to the path of blessing while we follow after him in loving service. God goes ahead and he calls us to obediently follow behind. Let's join together in prayer. Lord God, your word is so beautiful and so instructive for us. It teaches us how it is we are to live. It's so easy for us, Lord God, to be tempted to follow the false prophets, the false words around us. But as we have seen in chapter 18, that leads only to death. No, Lord God, it is following you that leads to life, to blessing, and to safety. Lord God, if there are, are things that are keeping us from a wholehearted devotion to you, uh, move our hearts, turn us. We might give ourselves heart and soul and mind and strength to you, to a commitment to follow your ways, to hear your word. Lord God, by your spirit, encourage us, strengthen us, lead and guide us in the path of blessing. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.